Electric Friends, a Gary Newman podcast celebrating the tracks by a musical pioneer. In 1994, Gary Newman was at an all-time low, creatively speaking. Two years before, he had put out Machine and Soul. Now, while I wouldn't say it was as bad as Gary has said in recent years, it definitely took him to musical areas he perhaps should have avoided, but we'll come on to that in another episode. Two years later, and Gary was at a turning point. Should he continue where he left off in the hopes of one day getting back on the radio, or should he try something totally new and try to recapture the creative spark he had 10 plus years previously? Thankfully, he had his partner Gemma at his side. She always believed in him and convinced Gary to stop hiding behind backing singers and OTT production and show his fans that he's still capable of making thought-provoking and stunning music. This episode will look at the 1994 album Sacrifice and in particular, the album track Magic. When I Sacrifice is the 12th studio album by Gary Newman, released in October 1994 by Numa Records, the last album to come out from the uh, Numa era. As I said before, this album came out exactly the same time as I had discovered Gary on a rock and roll year style programme. However, due to it being pre-internet and YouTube, I had no idea he was back and releasing new music at the time. I only knew about Cars and Our Friends Electric at best. I was only eight. Uh, it wouldn't be till 1997's Exile that I was aware of New Newman, but eventually I would track down Sacrifice and love what I heard, and in recent years it has actually grown to become one of my favourite albums of his. Subject-wise, a number of tracks on the album showed an antipathy towards religion, a subject that Newman had touched upon before, but at this point it would become a regular occurrence on this album and its successors Exile and Pure. Newman later said that while Exile was a fictional story, Sacrifice looks at my actual beliefs. Sacrifice began as a follow-up to Machine and Soul, continuing with that album's producer Kipper, aka Mark Eldridge. This project was abandoned when Newman decided to instead self-produce the album and adapt several tracks from his 1994 release, the Radial Pair video soundtrack. Released in August 94, the Radial Pair was a video which features Newman and fellow stunt pilot Norman Lease performing aerobatics. Newman was designed to another label around the time of this fan club only release and they suggested adding vocals to these tracks and release it to give Newman more time to record a more conventional studio album. (laughs) 
However, Newman eventually decided against signing to the label, and some of the tracks were developed for what would become his next studio album, Sacrifice. It took Gary to be at his lowest for him to start making the music that would become his second trademark, and we have his partner Gemma to thank for this turnaround. Writing in his Revolution book, Gary explained, I started work on a follow-up album to Machine and Soul with Kipper, but straight away it didn't really work. I still had no idea what I was doing, or what I wanted, but I knew another album like Machine and Soul wasn't it. I was so unsure about my future, I'd even started to think about what sort of normal job I'd need to get, and how I would deal with the inevitable ridicule. By now, I was well over £600,000 in debt, and there didn't seem to be any way in the world I was ever going to get out of that. Getting another record deal seemed all but impossible. I'd fallen too far for any label to be interested, and creatively I was still nowhere. I seemed to be heading towards a very different life, one where I would likely be in debt forever. I hadn't given up hope by any means, but the awful reality of how precarious my position had become had never felt closer. I talked about my long fall from grace with Gemma, and why it had happened so many times, but I didn't like what she had to say. She tried to explain to me that I might not be the best guitar player or keyboard player, but I played a certain way and my fans liked it. I might not be the best singer, but my voice was unique. I tried to explain that by taking me out of the albums, I'd made them better musically. She answered by saying I'd taken out the only thing the fans wanted in them, me. We argued and argued for month after month. For a long time, I didn't accept what she was saying at all, but she was extraordinarily patient and chipped away, little by little, until I began to see my situation through her eyes, and presumably through the eyes of so many other fans as well. And elaborating further, Gary found a way to escape the limitations of his previous few albums to stop chasing that elusive radio chart hit and to instead make music that he was truly proud of, and most importantly, take full control of his art. She was also introducing me to music I hadn't heard before. For several years, I'd all but cut myself off from music. I was still making my own albums and touring, but I pretty much stopped listening to music for pleasure. When Gemma arrived and began her slow rebuilding of my confidence, I was still completely lost. She introduced me to a whole world of music that I'd missed completely. Every day she would play things and I'd run in and ask who it was, what it was called, it was all incredibly inspiring, and it rekindled my feelings about music, my love for it. It actually made me realise that I hadn't enjoyed being involved in music for years. Now, suddenly, it was like being a teenager again. I remembered why I'd wanted to be a musician in the first place, and it was exciting. It felt as if I hadn't been truly excited by it for years. I went back to the new album and started from scratch. I would once again do everything myself, even more than before in fact. I'd write it, produce it, engineer it and record it in my own studio. I'd design the sleeve, I'd even do the artwork. The album was to be called Sacrifice and I would let it be whatever I wanted it to be. There was no outside advice now, no record company, so no record company pressure or bullying. I was my own man again and I would do exactly what I wanted to do. I had no one to please but myself and virtually nothing to lose. 
The only thing that mattered was that I genuinely loved what I did. I became so obsessed with this newfound independence of thought that I vowed that if I was working on a song and I started to consider whether it might sound good on the radio, I would erase it immediately. And I did, more than once. I was absolutely determined never to lose my way again, never to become corrupted by thoughts of commercialism, the business of making music. I would only write songs that I truly loved and never for any purpose beyond that simple desire. My music would become pure again, untainted and unchanged by schemes and strategies. I still wanted to be successful, but I wanted to achieve it with music I was proud of. Music that was written for the love of it, not part of some devious plan to write something that might somehow attach itself to whatever bandwagon was passing. With sacrifice, I abandoned all thoughts of future chart success. I simply made making music a hobby again. I had no idea if the album would even be released, but it felt good. It felt as though a huge weight had lifted off my shoulders, a weight that had crushed my creativity. And writing in his book Praying to the Aliens in 1997, Gary explained the influences and meaning behind Sacrifice. He said, I'd read a couple of Clive Barker books, Weave World and A Magica, and after them I started to think differently. I also started to read horror stories and became interested in tales from the Bible and supernatural imagery. Horror stories had never appealed that much before, for I'd always found them too disturbing. I'd been to see The Exorcist when I was young and had to walk out before I'd even got going really, jeered all the way to the door. Anyway, the Clive Barker books inspired me to start a novel of my own entitled Pray, The Final Treachery of God. It's a do of God abandoning us, dissolving heaven and hell and everything inside, bringing creatures to earth that live on the energy of dead things and the raising of demons to fight back against these creatures. It's a long way from being finished, but I hope to get there one day. Incidentally, Gary revealed in Revolution that he still hasn't finished it. He continued, Some of the lyrics for Sacrifice came from my initial book outline, or at least certain themes and images. The most direct steal is the opening speech on the album, which is also how I imagined the book would start. Listen to my voice. In the story, God is real, but he's nothing like we thought. He creates life for the fun of seeing what happens, and when he gets bored, he moves on. We're the first planet he's come to where some people have seen heaven for the lie it is when they've died. They've resisted and become ghosts still attached to the earth. Human ghosts enjoy a state of being which he's unable to reach, and he more or less has a cosmic tantrum. Although Sacrifice isn't directly related to the book, many of the songs obviously come from the same mindset, the same thoughts. 
I think the album has such a unique quality and sound to it compared to other Gary albums. It's uh, unique because it still features certain elements from his previous albums. It has areas of the dance, funk, electronic tracks from Outland and Machine and Soul, but it does sound different to what came before. And aside from a couple of guitar contributions from Kipper, Gary produced it all himself and played all instruments. And it's the early days of Gary programming the kind of synths and drum machines that we have become used to now, and there's a certain charm to the album as a whole. It almost feels like a a demo of an album that he would then send to Aid Fenton to add production magic to. And Gary himself would admit that he wasn't happy with the overall sound of the album, but I think he's being harsh on himself. Uh, considering it was made in 1994, the early days of industrial electronica, I'd say it sounds pretty darn before its time. But Gary said in Revolution, The only thing I got wrong, and it was a big thing unfortunately, was the mastering. With money being such an issue at the time, I decided I'd master the album myself rather than use a professional engineer. We just couldn't afford to pay for that last and vital stage of the recording. I really did think I could do it, but I made a complete mess of it. The album has a lack of clarity that lets it down badly. And the whole album is great, but I'll always pick the track Magic as its standout moment. It has such a gorgeous melody, particularly in the chorus, and the song is, well, just magic. Writing and praying to the aliens, Gary said that Lord of the Rings and J.R.R. Tolkien's stories were a big influence. He said, Magic is about my beliefs in anything but God. I would sooner believe in fairies and goblins. I want to believe in Tolkien's world. I have found other authors to be more inspiring and helpful when it comes to writing songs and lyrics, but none has ever come close to Tolkien's ability to make me feel as though I was part of the story, of another reality almost, albeit as a silent onlooker. I want to believe in the Third Age, in elves and hobbits. While a lot of Gary's religious-inspired songs are quite dark and angry, I like Magic because it's for once seemingly quite positive and hopeful, in the melody at least. By channeling the world of hobbits and elves, he can plug into a more hopeful and magic world where perhaps not everything is so distressing. Uh, sadly, Magic isn't a song that has been played by Gary uh, live for a long time. He obviously played it during his 1994 Sacrifice tour, and he played it once again in 2000, but never again. Um, he liked it enough to be included in his 2002 Best Of compilation Exposure, which is actually the first time I heard it, but alas, it has yet to make a live comeback. I'd love to hear it again with his current style and live band, uh, but more on that later.
Sacrifice was recorded at the Outland Studios in 1994 and released on October 24th, and Gemma is listed on the credits as an assistant engineer. It didn't exactly have chart success, but it did prove to be a turning point. Writing and praying to the aliens, he said, Sacrifice sold significantly more than Machine and Soul, and it was generally regarded by fans as one of the best albums I've ever made. The fan club membership soared. I had a long way to go to get back to get a mainstream chart act, uh, but the fans were coming back in their thousands. Sacrifice turned me around in more ways than one. Financially, we now had recovered, and although we were a million miles away from the multi-millionaire days of yesteryear, we were all right. Creatively, I felt like I'd come home. I was enjoying it all again, I was thinking better, my mind was wandering like it used to, and most importantly, it was fun again. The new album tracks went down brilliantly, for the tour, I had dropped backing singers, no more female vocals, and I tried to emphasise the harder sound of the new material. I brought back a lot of the older songs as well, and added much of the feel and sound from Sacrifice to them. This gave much of the older material a new lease of life. So you can uh, see from reading all that that this was the turning point for Gary, that he started focusing things a lot differently, and to this day, the kind of live shows we see owe a lot to that Sacrifice tour. And elaborating more on Revolution, Gary added, Strangely, whereas Machine and Soul had reached number 42 in the chart, Sacrifice only made it to 94, my worst album chart position ever. The thing about Sacrifice was that it started to bring fans back from the cold. For most fans, it seemed to be a welcome return to form, and the response to the album was better than anything I'd had for years. My fan club membership soared. Sacrifice sold slowly, but steadily as word of it spread, and it felt very much as though we'd turned a corner. I was confident about my writing again, happy with the way I looked, happy to be making albums. It was all so different. But the lifespan of uh, Sacrifice didn't end there. An extended version of Sacrifice, approximately twice as long as the original, was released in 1995, and the same year most of the tracks appeared on Dark Light, Newman's live recording from the Sacrifice tour. The album was intriguingly released in the US in 1997 with a different title. It was called Dawn, and it was based on the comic book character of the same name. It also had a completely different cover art by Joseph Michael Lindsner featuring the character Dawn, and it's um, quite something. <laughs> Let's just say it's, um, it's very boob-heavy. Uh, in 1999, the uh, album was reissued with bonus tracks in the UK on Eagle Records and in the US on Cleopatra Records. And excitingly, in 2021, it was announced that Sacrifice, Exile, and Pure would all be reproduced with updated production standards by Gary and Aid Fenton. It'll be so interesting to hear if it will essentially be remakes of the albums or just special remasters. It sounds like it's going to be the former, um, but either way, I'm looking forward to hearing Sacrifice and Magic in the modern Gary sound. So taking a look at some of your comments, uh, Luke from Belgium tweeted, I think this song can be qualified as the only positive or optimistic song Gary ever made, correct me if I'm wrong. And yeah, I agree. I mean, if you look at the lyrics, they still have that dark quality to it, but the general sound uh, melody in the chorus, especially the last verse, sounds surprisingly <laughs> optimistic for Gary. Uh, Pedro Lorente said on Facebook, I hadn't heard it until the release of the New Year's CD box set. This then consequently shaped the last 25 years for me of following him. And Angela Feeney said, reminds me of getting ready and staying in cheap B&Bs to go to the Hammersmith gig. Sony Walkman with a wee shitty speaker set listening to it. Um, Artificial on Twitter said Magic for me was meant one of the many highlights of the Sacrifice UK tour. Just look at the live album Dark Light, what an amazing set. 
And Nat Lockwood said, always liked Newman, but got into him big three years ago and started a big Newman music collection. I loved picking what to buy that I didn't already own. Uh, the Magic with Chrome cover from the US was the first CD I ordered. And I also have a cat called Magic. And that's amazing. Thank you, Nat. And got a great email from John Garland. Uh, back in 94, just as Sacrifice was coming out, I remember sitting on Luton Station and reading a small interview with Gary in one of the music monthlies. I'd almost given up on him after the previous two or three albums, which I really hadn't liked and had stopped seeing him live too. But the way the article described his new album, about his music taking a darker turn, about how it had the feel of replicas, got me interested again. And after hearing Sacrifice, I was excited about his music once more. Uh, Magic was a key part of that album, a brilliant song that was as good an indicator as any that Gary had refound his musical mojo and was on his way back. Totally agree. Elsewhere in Gary Newman News, he will be playing the Cruel World Festival in Pasadena on May 20th this year, alongside the likes of Susie, Iggy Pop, Billy Idol, Echo and the Bunnymen, the Human League and Adam Ant. Um, he was far too low down on the poster, if you ask me, but still, that's a hell of a lineup. So if you live in the US, anywhere near Pasadena, you have to go and see that. Uh, Gary also posted that Gemma was taken to hospital recently with heart problems but is in recovery now so um, I'm sure like me you'll send all your love and support to Gary, Gemma and his family and I hope you feel better now and taking it easy. Uh, That is it for this episode. I've recently moved house and have an easier setup for recording episodes so hopefully I should be able to start uh, getting these out more frequently. I'm actually... I'm not using the same studio I was before, so if this sounds a bit echoey and a bit weird, let me know. Um, I appreciate all the feedback, uh, but hopefully um, the sound quality isn't uh, too much different than what you heard before. But yeah, definitely get in touch. You can do so uh, just to give yeah, feedback, send episode requests, any tips or stories about songs or Newman eras that I should cover in future episodes, or just to say hello, you can email me at newmanpodcast at gmail. Or you can find me on Twitter at Newman Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and at newmanpodcast.com. And please do give a rating or review if you can. It really does mean the world to hear from you. And I'll read out the best comments that I find, such as uh, Drumfinch on Twitter said, I've been listening to your podcast pretty frequently and I've enjoyed every bit of it. I can't wait for more. Thank you for that. And uh, Simon Photo from uh, Canada, apologies if I've murdered your surname, but yeah, he said a new listener for Canada. Great, great podcast. So great to hear from you, Simon. So that's it for now. So take it easy and I'll see you next time. Electric Friends, a Gary Newman podcast celebrating the tracks by a musical pioneer. Pioneer.